0: Welcome back to Unless You Ask with me Kevin Chung. With me today is a former roommate, cat wrangler and wife Shin San. Not my wife to be clear. <laughs> Shin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Kevin. <laughs>
0: um it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh when when you and I were roommates, uh that's clearly how we met. Did did uh how would you describe that household? This is the first person I'm having on who lived in the Virginia house.
1: Indeed. Um, well, back then, I was not yet wife. Um, exactly. We We were a herd of, what, four? Yep. Um, it was a house atop a hill overlooking a barren field in Berkeley. Um, I didn't really know you, but you knew my then- Boyfriend slash fiance, soon to be husband Thomas, through mm-hmm. college I think. Yep. Definitely yes, and then we were roommates in college. And then and then I brought along my friend Artie, and we decided to live together.
0: Yep, four people to a bathroom and uh, no and living room, and
1: that's how it began. No living room. Well, it depends on the way, you know, on your perspective. Some yeah, days there was a living room, but no dining room. And some days there was a dining room and no living room. So.
0: We had a half kitchen and a half living room. T'was
1: so. modular.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, good times. Um, so unless you ask the premises that I uh, bring on someone I know and we talk about something that's interesting to them and they uh, come to me every week with a new topic unlike anything that we've heard before. Um, And Shin, you had a few different ideas for topics, but what topic did you decide to bring today?
1: Yes, today I come bearing a one topic. Um, It's a little bit political and might get heavy in some parts, so we'll try to keep it a little bit light, but it's about what is happening in Burma. Um, Excellent. A country in Southeast Asia, for reference. Yes,
0: (laughs) yes. Uh, so yeah, we, this is, uh, exactly the tone of the show. We, sometimes it gets political, but we also keep it light. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I'm very excited to talk to you about this topic. Um, beforehand, I, I promised that I would ask you and to help inform the listeners where Burma is.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so well, can you
0: describe that?
1: Yeah, let's, let's set, let's set the scene. Um, so world map Southeast Asia, you probably all know where Thailand is. It's right to the east of thailand oh i'm i totally fucked up <laughs> um it's not it's,
0: it's not to the east of thailand it's not to the east of thailand. <laughs> all right very but, important all right keep let's that, reset that in mind. let's
1: set the tone um the stage is set world map southeast asia it is between thailand to the to the right and india to the left in fact yes. it is actually the largest uh country in mainland southeast asia so can't miss it
0: there you go um so yes do you, uh, I guess, what what led you to be interested in this topic uh, for the people who don't know you?
1: Okay. Well, uh, it, there's a personal connection. Um, I was born in Burma, came to the U.S. with my family when I was 10, so 2004-ish. And I have family there. I go back to visit a lot. Um, and for those who, and you probably know from our Virginia days that I like to cook a lot of Burmese dishes and force feed people lots of curry and tell them stories about Burmese food that they never really asked for. So, um, (laughs) I am Burmese. I like to talk about Burma topics and learn about them along the way too.
0: Awesome. Um, yes, I, a small anecdote is that I actually went with your now husband, uh, Thomas, to try the food that you were going to have at your wedding. (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: Yes. Our wedding was, um, half Burmese, half, I don't know what the other half was, but it was not, (laughs) it was not, it was, (laughs) we tried to go for a, um, a multicultural mix. It turned mostly into a cultural tie-dye, but yeah, yes, (laughs) glad you enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Thomas was like, I can't make decisions like this. And I was like, all right, Thomas, like, you're gonna have to make more decisions than this. The amount of, the number
1: of times Thomas has been brought up in the show makes me think he is the invisible third guest.
0: Oh yeah, sorry. This this isn't about Thomas. This, this can't be Burma. about
1: Thomas. We will make it about Thomas.
0: <laughs> I well, we'll see if we can have him on some other time. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk some like historical context, I guess, for people who aren't familiar with what's currently going on in Burma. What uh, what is important for them to understand, uh, I guess, about Burma's history?
1: Yeah, so we could do a little bit of a time machine. Uh, I won't go so far back, but. A popular start date, I guess, for most of these things is independence period. So I think the key year to remember is around 1948, is when Burma gained independence from uh, Great Britain. And it went through a couple of key periods. Um, I would just characterize it in a couple um, to get a little bit high level. One is after independence, Burma had an experiment with democracy and um, From 48 to 62 that was that period. However in 62 um, there was a military coup um, and the country swung swang really far right from left to um, fascism and so the government was overtaken by the military or we call it them, them at all in Burmese And then um, from 62 onward to 88 um, was a pretty dark period where there's a lot of suppression of speech, um, a lot of corruption, the economic gains that the country got in the democratic experiment were all sort of... um, constrained to what were called the military cronies who control every key industry, like rice, gems, they got like every rich natural resource the country could ever produce. It was basically controlled by military cronies. Um, 1988 is another key year. The, um, students led a revolution, um, because the economy got really bad opportunities were non-existent and, um, but those protests were quickly like suppressed. And anyway, so if you just kind of fast forward to current day, the country's like timelines basically, you know, starting from 62 when the military took over were dark periods of oppression with 88 being like a key uprising moment. 2007, there's another uprising. It's called the Saffron Revolution. And then now we have present day. There's, we're currently in the middle of a third major uh, uprising. So let's really, let span in broad brush strokes.
0: Awesome. Um, so it sounds like uh, to kind of how does that timeline track with sort of your family and like you moving here like how much of it do you even sort of remember from when you were a kid?
1: Yeah so let's see I was born in 93 and so from I guess early memory I was I, I lived in Burma from 93 to like 2004. 2004 so that uh, that lined up with um at that time Burma was definitely in a military dictatorship um mm-hmm. a few key things one is growing up there it your experience growing up in a military regime is only as painful as your <laughs> It depends on where where you are on and how many economic opportunities you have. So personally, like my family had enough economic opportunities so that like we could go to school. Like I didn't have to worry about um, basic necessities, but you can't say the same for the rest of the country. Um, Mm -hmm. The few key things I remember are, let's see. One is Aung San Suu Kyi, which is a key political figure that if you read about Burma, her name will definitely come up. But the context is Aung San Suu Kyi is the daughter of a man called General Aung San. He was the key political figure that led Burma's independence fight against um, uh, against Great Britain. And so mm. there's sort of like a lineage there of like family like family legacy. And so she is sort of this accepted heiress, I suppose, like political heiress to. Um, any to uh, to to democracy or trying to bring that to Burma. Mm-hmm. so growing up i knew she like was in yangon like the city that i grew up in but it was sort of this like mythical figure because you hear about her she's just like everyone sees her as a heroine but you're not really supposed to talk about her so it's interesting because you know the military doesn't want her she, the military at that time basically wanted her forgotten but the public doesn't forget her and constantly would have her be in the background of a lot of political conversations so that's one thing I remember is like Aung San Suu Kyi, political figure heroine know about her can't talk, really talk about her in public but I know she's there in the same city that I grew up in so that was an interesting thing
0: interesting so so it's something that you might talk about with your family but not really like learn about in school for example
1: yeah like you yeah you go to government schools or even private schools you she you know she's written out of history
0: got it um wow um so i guess uh you talked speaking about on suchi i i think uh with the context that we have do you want to talk at all about sort of like what why burma has been more in the news recently um and kind of like what role uh she plays in in sort of the more recent history like maybe since you moved here
1: yeah, uh, yeah. As a as I guess as a disclaimer to your audience, um, I'm you know I'm coming. I'm also trying to make sense of what's been happening in the news, um, and by no means just because I am Burmese and grew up there, I have all the facts right, or I have like the best informed opinion or foreign policy experts. So disclaimer there, but um, I guess the way I would introduce this um context would be, so. We all know there was an attempted coup right in Washington, D.C., right? When, yes, um, January 6th. Ho- ho- sorry to revoke some um, bad memories, but January 6th was a really scary day for many of us when we didn't quite know what the future of the government of the country we live in might be. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, those um, events resolved and life moved on. Um, and we are not in a some kind of a fascist regime. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, on February 1st, <laughs> I woke up to the news that there was another, there's another coup that was relevant to my life. And that coup was in Burma. Um, and the imageries that popped up on Twitter and internet were kind of like super dystopic, right? You saw videos of tanks rolling in to um, the political capital, Nibiru. You saw headlines that were just like, key leaders of Aung San Suu Kyi's political party, NLD, were arrested in the middle of the night. And the regime has declared a coup, saying that the general election that was held was fraudulent. Like, they found evidence of election fraud. um, Mm -hmm.
0: Sounds familiar. Sounds
1: familiar. um, And that they were going to... um, declare a state of emergency for a year maybe two who knows (laughs) but they were just like oh elections are fraudulent we can't honor them we're taking over the government
0: got it so kind of in the name of this cause of like justice of like this is we're stepping in because it's like for for the better of uh i guess democracy that might not be how they phrase it but under the guise of like uh combating some corruption
1: yeah under the narrative was fishy stuff happened, NLD does some sneaky, you know, um, smokes a mirror type things, no, no, of course, no evidence presented or the evidence they did present were kind of laughable. Um, and that, you know, to ensure stability in the, in the country, the government will take over.
0: Um, I'm curious if you know uh, anything about sort of how the political terms and like the elections in Burma work, um, like is is uh, Aung San Suu Kyi like kind of up for re-election as often as we uh, in the U.S. like see presidents come up for re-election?
1: Yeah, so we could do a little bit of replay back to the timeline. And so I skipped over a bunch of key dates, but I mentioned that there was a key revolution in 2007, Saffron Mm -hmm. Revolution. And that uprising was over, again, economic problems. And that got a lot of international attention. It was led by monks and um, mostly peaceful, definitely peaceful, um, but the military killed a lot of people and including foreign journalists. And so in the years following that, the military regime was like, okay, let's try this democratic reform thing and give you a chance to participate and so Ang San Suu Kyi, who was under house arrest for decades, was released in 2010, and little by little, the military was like, okay, we're going to try a different style of ruling, we're going to do a parliamentary style, so, you know, NLD, which was the Ang San Suu Kyi's political party, um, was allowed to run for election in key seats, so in that kind of style, you have townships that have heads, um, parliamentary style, so you can have, you have, um, parliament members elected I don't quite know what the cycle of elections are but it's I think like every couple or a few years but yeah she was running for a seat but I think her de facto sort of unofficial title was she was like head of that party and state counselor interesting yeah
0: um very interesting so um not to try to draw too many uh comparisons but I think just to help uh help folks understand uh based on like something that's happened recently uh with the insurrection and the the attempted coup in the U S there's sort of this groundswell of support for, you know, this political figure and some radical members of like that, uh, the most right wing, like kind of support him, but a huge part of the country, you know, kind of really believed in what, um, the people there were doing. Um, do you think that that's uh, a similar case in, in Burma with this kind of like Uh, February 1st coup were there like a large part of the country in Burma that feel like you know this is very justified or is it is it not similar in that way
1: yeah yeah that's a good like using what's happened in DC as a point of reference is is a good call um but it's totally different so Mm -hmm. this is very top down and the military in Burma has close to zero popular support so Mm -hmm you know, sorry to kind of flip flop back and forth on the timeline, but the experiment they had with, okay, let's try a little bit of like what this democracy thing is. But when they did that, they wrote the rule book. So they said, Oh, yeah, like, you guys can run for elections to Aung San Suu Kyi's political party, but mm-hmm. they reserved a majority seat in parliament for the party that is affiliated to the military. And the military was also reserved key seats in government agencies. So imagine if like in in the US government, it was like, oh yeah, like Democrats, you guys can, or Democrats and Republicans, you can um, run for Congress seats, but you know, the Pentagon and Pentagon people get to sit in 45% or 55% of those seats. And yeah. also, and by the way, we hold all of the, agency head positions in the federal government, like imagine if they did that, that's basically what the military did. Yeah. And so general elections will come around, NLD would basically win all the seats that they were up for grabs. And there were some, you know, like ethnic minority political members also running for office, but generally NLD is, it has the consensus of the people. Mm -hmm. And um, the military's party, basically every seat they ran for, they lost. And so the narrative for the last one that happened that the military tried to claim fraud over is they didn't think that NLD would sustain its popularity time and time again, but it did because the people believe in Aung San Suu Kyi's leadership in one way or another. And so since they can't win it in a legitimate way, even though they were the ones who wrote the rules and the constitution, they're like, okay, uh, pause everything. We need to write rewrite the rules again, coup time.
0: Got it. Wow. So so even uh, in the absence of this coup, even if Aung San Suu Kyi wins um, election, there's there's still like a pretty large majority uh, control in, in the government by the military. They just want even more control.
1: Right, right. They were getting uh, uncomfortable because general election after general election, they see NLD not only... Retaining control over their seats, but mm-hmm. gaining even more popularity. And they are afraid that this little, you know, slice of freedom that they let happen under their um, leash would mm-hmm. get uncontrollable.
0: Got it. Um, and I guess with this sort of quote, little like slice of, of freedom, um, yeah. does, does Burma start to see, uh, like, what are some changes, I guess, in the country that result from, from that? Or, like, do are there actual like policy changes or is it kind of more that they see like representation and that is like powerful in its own, right?
1: Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll try to find like different levels for this one. It's cause it's super interesting. I'll do a personal level. So I left Burma, my family left Burma in 2004. And so at that time, there was no democracy just yet. No Government reforms haven't started. Mm -hmm. Um, My family went back around 2010. And that was right after the Saffron Revolution and the rumblings of democratic reform. And Aung San Suu Kyi, not yet, but about to be released from house arrest. When we went back um, at that in that year, 2010, there was still like, you still couldn't talk about Aung San Suu Kyi. I remember uh-huh. <laughs> like we, I was um, super curious to see her house. And so yeah. we, I asked my uncle to drive by her house and usually her block is, usually there's like military barricades and there's constantly guards watching. And maybe I was like super paranoid or something, but I had my little camera out um, and I wanted to film it as we drove past her house. And then my uncle was like, put that camera away. Uh, like, why? <laughs> and he's like looking into the rearview mirror. he's like, that car has been following us wow. for many blocks. Like put it away. Like they know you guys are Americans and like you're here in the country, but just be careful. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teenage kid, right? So like, there's yeah. no way they would suspect me of, you know, crazy things, but still there's sort of an air of paranoia yeah fast forward um i visit burma after the reforms in 2000 i don't know like 16 or 17 Mm -hmm. and you could talk about Suu suji openly and bring up kind of even talk shit a little bit about the government in tea shops (laughs) and not be paranoid that like there's somebody in plain clothes watching you or you know writing Mm -hmm. down what you're saying Mm -hmm. so in terms of openness of like not having to fear what you ha- could say out in the open there's I, I noticed that difference
0: wow yeah very interesting um very very interesting i'm excited to talk to you uh more about this yeah um, but for right now why don't we take a quick break and get some water and then uh we'll be right back water time Welcome back to the break, uh, from the break. I'm still here with Shin. Uh, Shin, how was, how was the break?
1: The break was good. We had visitors.
0: Yes, multiple visitors, cat wrangler and wife. Uh, so you, Kat, you know uh, who ran who across
1: is. the clacking keyboard and almost sent you a cryptic message in zoom chat. Yes.
0: New password. Who dis? Um, okay. So when we last left off, um, uh, we talked a little bit about what happened on February first mm-hmm. um, in Burma. So I would love to talk now since February first. It's at the time of recording May second. So what what sort of happened in the last two months uh, since the military coup?
1: Yeah, well, it's been two months plus one, so three months. Three. Uh, oh. <laughs> All of February, February March, March, April. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. holy moly. Yeah, it's okay. COVID brain, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Um, well, February 1st. So I've been, well, my mornings are basically ruined because before February 1st, I would wake up, grab my phone, open it, and just read, you know, pretty much, to me, inconsequential news headlines and memes and browse Twitter. Uh, Since February 1st, my routine has been open Twitter, type in what's happening in Myanmar, the hashtag, and just doom scroll, feel depressed, and go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And yeah, just because of the time zones too, it's it's like that because stuff happens while I'm sleeping. And so every morning I would wake up and like, oh no, what happened today? Who got shot today? What's mm. happening? What's going on? So not that good in terms of mental health. Um, yeah. In the past month, it's been a, a little bit less bad. The first month Mm -hmm. was really bad where you would open up the hashtag and see lots of really gory pictures because people were protesting. Um, For context, the most recent uprising is, of course, you know, the military says, election fraud. And the people are like, what are you on? No, we do not want to go back to the dark ages again. You cannot do this. And so protests erupted. Um, and in contrast to the last protest, this one is different um, in a few ways. It's a lot of young folks, like students, um, teenage aged folks, um, mm-hmm. and even like civilians who, or civ- civil servants who work in government agencies are not working. So these are mm-hmm. people like who work for the postal service or like people who run the rail agency, they're not working. And they're all marching and protesting and so it was basically just you know every day you are seeing photos of protests pop up on your news timeline and just hoping that you know people are not hurt
0: yeah wow um so it sounds like since then there's there hasn't been as much of a resolution it may have uh gotten a little bit slightly less violent than like the first month but essentially this sort of uh uh protest and uh military suppression is ongoing at at this point yeah
1: it's ongoing and it you know april is a special month um for most people in burma at least the buddhist burmese um Mm -hmm. it's it's southeast asian new year basically and normally Uh month of april you have the water festival um, you would celebrate bring in a new year and the whole country is on holiday basically for like a, a week partying um and this time's different because no partying happened roads okay. are blocked off people are not there are curfews internet is shut down from 1 a.m to basically morning um yeah and you can't really go outside people like police will stop you in the middle of the streets to grab your phone look at your facebook to see whether you're talking about the government the military in a negative way and would arbitrarily arrest you and raid your house wow yeah
0: wow um that's that's so scary uh do do you so you obviously have relatives and you know people who are, are back in burma um What's sort of been the reaction, you know, uh, amongst people that, that you know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, starting with my mom, she's here with us. But she and I would talk about this on the phone, trying to make sense of it ourselves. And, you know, keep in mind, we're also consuming what's happening on the ground derivatively. So we don't quite have, like, we're, it's most of the stuff we're learning about is also secondhand information. But, right. you know, we're trying to figure out, like, w- like our relatives save like a lot of people are worried about their finances because the last time the military did funny things there's those the military people are so superstitious they would do they would literally like change the denomination of currency because of their superstition on numbers basically Mm -hmm. slashing away people's savings lifetime savings so this time around right people are righteously worried about their savings and so they're trying to like withdraw money from banks but if you stand in line too long at a bank the police would come by and like search you without a warrant things like that so wow she's definitely feeling stressed out but she's emotionally also stressed out because when she was in college was the first the second uprising of 1988 and she remembers go- living through that and now she's like seeing photos and videos of kids being hurt like kids our age Mm -hmm. um and she's like this could this could have been you like if we didn't leave the country and she's like definitely sad about everything but thankfully our relatives are fine my i haven't really gotten in touch with my friends from elementary school and people i know in burma but i think they're okay too
0: Mm -hmm. wow um that's that's a lot to uh, process with your with your family. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm sure, you know, families often you know have different uh, opinions. It's hard to talk to your parents and and people you're uh, related to sometimes about intense political topics. So I'm glad that uh, you know you're able to reach out to some ex- extent, uh, mm-hmm. especially through your mom and. And hopefully the people that you know and are close with are are going to be okay, uh, and they make it through this. Mm-hmm. Thanks, uh, Kevin. But yeah, that sounds very intense. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so you mentioned that you're you're tracking uh, sort of this hashtag to understand, uh, or I guess to like somewhat uh, keep track of what's going on via social media. Is is social media sort of a a main, or or is it? Does it play a big role in the uh, like pro democracy side of things, or, or how how do you feel like uh, it it affects the way things are reported on in uh, in Burma?
1: Yeah, um, this time around, unlike previous uprisings, you have to cons- you have to kind of put yourselves in the shoes of the, like somebody maybe our age, like early to mid twenties right? You basically are used to having open access to the internet. So you know, you are on Twitter, you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you have open access to everything. And this is what you know, pretty much most of your life, um, in your key development years. And you know that to go back to what your parents and your older siblings maybe lived through is a world of zero access. So you wouldn't have access to really anything there would be censorship internet shutdowns things like that so mm. this generation is a lot more clever <laughs> and so even though internet is shut down or censored or key websites are blocked people have figured out you know VPN and like ways to post pictures if not Twitter if not Facebook then they'll go on Reddit and they'll go on forums and so mm. to somebody like me outside um, I have pretty good access to like independent journalists covering the stories on the ground, but also regular people who are just posting like firsthand accounts of what's happening. Um, and that is definitely different from previous uprisings where you were just refreshing. You were just basically, um, dependent on world media to provide you coverage, which they couldn't have because the, gov- the country was pretty much closed.
0: Mm-hmm. got it um yeah that's that's interesting that there there's kind of ways to sidestep some of the attempts to to shut things down um i'm sure that there's some risk associated with that. yeah
1: lots of uh, risk they're they're yeah. searching up your face like they'll just you'll, you'll be going out this is what i hear from posts is like you go out to buy groceries random police would just stop you grab your phone and go on your facebook app to see and whatsapp or like who you're chatting with and if you have any sort of negative sentiment about the government they'll just arrest you on the spot so people are like before you go out leave your phone at home or like wipe your stuff
0: and then go out right you you need like a almost like a a police safe burner
1: yeah and i read the sentencing is like seven years
0: oh my god seven
1: years (laughs)
0: Yeah, no trial or anything, no, obviously. No. Yeah, that's hor- horrific. Um, so yeah, I I think uh, thinking about this, there's there's been obviously a lot of uh things that um people have in, in the U S. have have uh, split their attention between as far as mm-hmm. uh, COVID and uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the the political uprising here and that kind of thing. So th- there's a real chance that uh, you know. What's going on in Myanmar is overlooked by a lot of people. Yeah, you can't care
1: about everything that's going on in the world.
0: <laughs> and and it's I think people have trouble prioritizing things, uh, even even more basic than this. But uh, that being said, uh, what do you think uh, can be done? I guess is there is there a level at which you've seen the U.S. like try to intervene or uh, other countries try to intervene and help or uh, you know, is that uh, is that something that is like pretty much just been completely lacking?
1: Yeah, it that's a pretty heavy hitting topic, and I don't want to like yes. dump <laughs> decades of foreign policy, Southeast Asian foreign policy, <laughs> uh, onto uh, unless you ask audience members. Yeah, that, um, what's up? I mean the <laughs> the desire, of course, is like you know, st- whole, whatever international bodies that exist, whatever foreign policy instruments that exist. Would lean to stand up for what's right and uh, help fight for democracy across the world in a fair and equitable way, whatever that might mean. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, foreign policy aside and like wishful thinking of you know the UN coming in and just kicking out the military. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard. Like there's not really much everyday citizens in other countries could do besides you know if you are fairly informed or care enough about it, keeping this sort of topic relevant. Um, mm-hmm. That's one way. But other than that, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say, but I think the fight is really the fight of the Burmese people. Um, there is mm-hmm. a government, the government that won the election fairly. They have formed a civilian government. And even though they've been kicked out, essentially, from rule, they're organizing and they're trying to for pressure through ASEAN which is Southeast Asian's version of the EU um, mm. to somehow come back into the political dialogue but mm-hmm. yeah it's hard it's like what can you do really like the US has put some sanctions but you know they've tried that before and that doesn't really hurt the people who need to be hurt um, right so hard question no answer yes <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's probably one of the harder parts of this whole situation. I imagine is that the the resolution is not obvious. Yeah. And, uh, it's but it's urgent nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and there's like humanitarian crisis type issues with this too. Like people are getting hungry mm-hmm. because the economy is basically halted. And but it's not one of those things where you can like donate your way to a solution as either. Um, yeah. The money's not really the problem here. It's it's tough.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think uh, if if the military has the ability to to do this and and kind of go unchecked, it's like who who watches the who's like above them in authority uh, to be able to like hold them accountable, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you would hope it's the people, uh, and someday you know maybe it will be. But uh, yeah, more money is not is not gonna empower that in the most uh, immediate way. I think mm-hmm um great before so on unless you ask we always end with a game um and you know there's no real easy way to gamify this, but before we move on from uh this to our final segment, is there anything else about uh sort of your experience in Burma, maybe like more uh things that you would want people to know about Burma besides just sort of this political history um that they might find interesting.
1: Yeah. Um hopefully, you know, if you were listening, some of the some of what you heard might help you make sense if you come across an article in the world news section about Burma and you're like, huh, oh, you know, like, okay, um you have some way into the topic and if you want to dig mm-hmm. deeper, um lots of lots of interesting resources you can follow on Twitter. Lots of great independent journalists covering what's happening on the ground. Um but sort of the parting thought I would have is, at least for me personally, um, having gone through two, two coup-like things back to back, one yeah. thing I walked away from, oh, what, from this, what I walked away from learning is to be more appreciative of a functioning democracy and yeah. how much of a privilege it is for everyday people like myself to be able to participate. And so walking away from this, I'm definitely more inspired to like be more civically engaged in whatever ways I could be because in other parts of the world, people are basically losing their lives just to even have a chance to participate in government.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's still a huge portion of the U S that didn't vote and you know, never votes and it's, yeah, that's That's a very good, uh, good takeaway. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope that everybody gets that chance. Let's not um, take democracy okay. for granted. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> uh, very powerful message. So um, for our last segment, a little bit of context. Um, Shin is someone who, as as you mentioned, uh, has made lots of tasty Burmese food. I lived with Shin for two or three years, I think. And uh, she has a lot of uh, very strong... Uh, tastes and very uh good and and strong opinions about food so for our last segment the game that i'd like to play is uh what would shin eat um shin do you uh do you have any questions about this game before we start i'm
1: glad this is hypothetical and not real life like plates of food presented to me (laughs) and i have to
0: well you don't you don't know what the topics are (laughs) (laughs) oh right right yeah it's just i'm not actually gonna like yeah you're not
1: actually like holding Me to my ward and making me eat.
0: (laughs) I would never make you eat something, but uh, I want you to answer honestly. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Um, First one, you're on a road trip and you pull off the highway for a pit stop. There's a KFC, a Panda Express, and a 7-Eleven. What would Shin eat?
1: Okay, well, if we were on a road trip in a country like hong kong or japan definitely 7-eleven 7-11 because 7-elevens in japan and korea they're popping they have like really tasty <laughs> stuff but yeah, i, I imagine because there's a kfc
0: <laughs>
1: and what was the second choice
0: panda express
1: oh i don't know if there's panda express in asian countries but i imagine this is in america so probably kfc because fried chicken who wouldn't <laughs> and gravy lots of gravy <laughs>
0: uh excellent (laughs) would would you ever eat at a kfc not on a road trip Mm. (laughs) Uh, no no answer okay that's fine well that's that was just a little bonus question it's not part of the game so you don't have to answer (laughs) okay uh question two you stay at work late at night have no groceries at home and the only restaurant open is bangkok noodle
1: Ooh. What
0: would Shin eat?
1: Ooh. Okay. Thank God, first of all, Bangkok noodles open this late. Uh
0: yeah, Bangkok Mao. noodle open open till two AM. Pad came out. Yeah. So uh I I always thought that you had sort of a tenuous relationship with Thai food, which is why <laughs> I chose this one.
1: <laughs> I sensed I sensed a um a motive behind this question. <laughs>
0: first of all i love bangkok noodle i do there too, way too
1: much. i love thai okay, food okay. it's just a meme okay, that wow. i like to sometimes Great. whip out every now and then to be facetious and say like oh the thais are historical enemies of the burmese and therefore <laughs> i as a proud burmese wo- american woman will never eat thai food because." Yeah. But, you know,
0: the, the meme that. is that all the thai food tastes like coconut milk the, and that's it
1: the salt i throw is i'm like well if you put a can of coconut milk in any curry of course it's gonna taste good
0: uh sorry to our uh no food i love thai food very delicious yes yes <laughs> okay uh your husband thomas repairs you a pasta but is not he's forthcoming... literally doing that right now when we're
1: recording <laughs>
0: but is not forthcoming about the recipe what would shin eat or what would yeah what would you do would you eat it basically
1: it's not forthcoming about the recipe
0: yeah, you're like, Thomas, what's in this? And he's like, oh, you know.
1: Well, first of all, I'm trying to be on a self-improvement journey and trying not to be too mean to my husband. So if he went to the length of preparing <laughs> me a pasta dinner, I will I will probably eat it. Um, Great. But I'll probably not go for seconds. <laughs>
0: You'll have to uh, follow up with me about what's in the pasta that Thomas is making. It looks
1: good. He's following a recipe this time, so I have high this hopes. Time. I'm optimistic.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay. Uh, your roommate made 200 mincemeat pies for a friend's giving <laughs> <laughs> held over a week ago, and there are still plenty in the fridge. What would Shin eat?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> um,. I imagine that if there are m- around 200 mincemeat pies left over and they're all in the fridge, there's no space for me to store any of my ingredients. So therefore I cannot cook myself a meal. <laughs> um, but I refuse to eat food that is cold and stale and over a week old. So probably not the mincemeat pies. I'll probably go to Bangkok noodles and get myself a pack you of respect-
0: mouth. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> very, You respect yourself. Okay. Uh, Kevin in that apartment would probably still be eating the pies.
1: Yeah, but you could, you could add an, a condiment. What was it? Mango chutney.
0: Yes. Apple chutney. Apple chutney. chutney there chan. you go. Anyway, this, this whole conversation is really for like one listener. And I don't even know if he listens. So We'll, we'll
1: make him listen. Just to this part.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Final one. Uh, you bring your three roommates to a Yangon festival in Half Moon Bay. Um, it was the it was the water Yeah, festival, it was for think, me this right? here. Yes, yes. Uh, what would Shin eat?
1: Ooh, well, I would probably drag all of you over to the stall that was selling nengi which is a noodle salad, uh, saladed in a chicken curry. It's so good. Probably drag <laughs> you all over to go eat some nenji though.
0: it was really good. Yeah, um, that was the highlight um awesome that was that was the end of what would shin eat um, thank that you was so fun kevin i me. wish the
1: entire episode was just this and not about <laughs> like a military coup <laughs> uh well it, could have,
0: been, it uh, could have been you choose the topic i did <laughs> but i chose I'm, a heavy I'm, one <laughs> from my perspective i'm glad that we talked about uh burma um yeah. and and also about what you would eat um awesome so that's it. Before we head out, I, you already kind of promoted, uh, you know, taking, not taking democracy for granted, but if there's anything else specific that you'd like to point people to, um, you're welcome to.
1: Okay. Well, if any of, um, the listeners are ever curious about what delicious pasta dishes might be coming out of our kitchen, you can follow along, um, at Thomas, the Tutu on Twitter for the latest and greatest pasta dishes. Thank you. <sighs>
0: Uh, yes that's my Paul husband's twitter. On twitter yes thomas the tutu uh, i will leave a uh an at in the episode description yeah um okay shin thank you so much for all of your uh, incredible historical knowledge and uh wise food choices and uh yeah that's it
1: thank you kevin thanks all it's great to talk bye. to you
0: bye Thank you everybody for listening to Unless You Ask and thank you to Shin for being my guest. If you would like to appear as a guest on Unless You Ask or if you have any feedback for the show, please email me at gmail.com That's unless y a @gmail.com. Unless You Ask is produced by Bread People Productions. You can check out breadpeopleproductions.com to see all the projects that they are working on that's it. You made it to the end of the episode. Uh, and this week my nobody asked is that it's my birthday on Tuesday. So if you listen to this before then, uh, wish me a happy birthday and thank you for listening.